When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ladies and gentlemen, tonight, the reigning, defending, 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 undisputed, universal, heavyweight champion, Wildcat Radio 2.0, bear down, you beautiful people. What's up, everybody? This is Wildcat Radio 2.0. I'm Adam Green. He's Brett Barry, And yes, we are alive. I know we've been a couple of weeks. Um, yeah, some things happen. Like, we've been busy. I got sick. You know, just whatever. Traveling, illnesses, and also trying to think of things to talk about because it was the one week where it's like, well, I was just playing a couple eh, teams. Of course, they lost to one of them. So that was cool to Stanford. Um, and then came back, of course, last week and beat Utah, beat Colorado. <sighs> Brett? Welcome back. It's Wildcat Radio 2.0. It's it's good to be back, man. Right? Like we're alive. That's that's something. <laughs> yeah, the the challenges of uh trying to pod in the modern world are are something we have to try to uh, get by each each week to bring the content. Yeah. I, I don't make excuses, you know, but some home renovations, having a baby to care for and Oh, you know, you're playing whatever. the ba- playing the baby yeah. card early tonight, I see. Yeah, well, you know. He cries. Like but but arizona of course since we've last potted they've kind of just been arizona right they lost a game they shouldn't have lost at stanford and then won the other games like it's still one of the weirdest seasons i think so far in that arizona is highly ranked as usual you know number seven now the ncaa came out with their like if the tournament started today think seedings arizona would be a two seed in the west so plenty of respect and yet of their losses None of them are the teams that are going to make the tournament unless they win the Pac-12 tournament. <laughs> like they'd be in all the good teams, lost to a handful of bad teams, beat those bad teams another time. So it's not like they've only you know they've gotten revenge every time. But yeah, here they are, ranked number seven. Yeah, and, and you know the Utah game was a nice revenge win, and Utah's a decent team. Uh, I, you know, I was I was traveling during that game, so I didn't get to watch it. But Adam, I didn't have to watch it because I already knew it was going to happen. As I called it after the uh, Utah game on December first, where I said Arizona's going to, I look forward to Arizona beating them by thirty. That's pretty close to the twenty six, I think it was. So, you know, it's it's nice to see Arizona kind of putting it together. Tubelis is still maybe suffering from some foul issues and inconsistencies, but you know, it's it's. We're we're in. Is it possible to call it the dog days of the of the basketball season? Uh, because it's I, it's it's you know it's a one game week uh, with ASU coming up, and then there's the the press the, the premier games to end the regular season in LA. But it's kind yeah, of yeah. I think there's kind of that because when you're Arizona and you're this Arizona team, you spend the first part of the season trying to show yeah this is you know they lost a lot of talent from last year, but they're still really good. 
then you are really good, right? You're moving up the rankings, your top 10, your top, you know, top 15. Then you go to number four after beating Creighton. You know, you're hanging out in the top 10. You beat Indiana. You beat Tennessee. And you're like, okay, we've proven ourselves. And then this Pac-12 schedule, which doesn't have much to offer, you know, outside of UCLA. And yet there's still teams like Oregon who could trip you. And obviously Washington State, Stanford, and Utah. So I... And now, yeah, you're at this point where the NCAA tournament, the Pac-12 tournament starts in a few weeks. NCAA tournament starts the week after. And if you're Arizona, you're going to be in the NCAA tournament. Yeah, it's easy to say for a coach to say, no, we need to focus on this and get better every day, this, that, and the other. But how do you not kind of look ahead and be like, okay, the games that really matter start in four weeks, you know, three weeks. Yeah, I I mean, at least the next three games for Arizona and its fans, uh, you know, are – interesting matchups and maybe the three toughest teams in the conference that bluntly don't really change anything right now in terms of seeding, uh, you know, for the, for the March Madness tournament or even really for the PAC 12 tournament, because uh, Arizona could still win the PAC 12, I guess. They could, but they, you know, they need to have, they need to, they basically need to win out and they need UCLA to get tripped up in, in one of their games, which is entirely possible. You know, they almost got tripped up by Stanford right after Stanford tripped up Arizona. Right. Yeah. They tried, you know, um, so it's it's going to be an interesting thing to watch. You know, there's there's some developments that you that give you. Uh, you know, I, t- I talked about how Azulis Tabellas is maybe fading in and out of games a little bit more and re- looking more like last year, which is a little bit concerning. But at the same time, guys like Cedric Henderson are really flourishing as he's as he's come into the starting lineup and putting up some good numbers against like Colorado. He had what 15 points. Um, you know, there's there's some good trends there. There's some good challenges here. I don't know if anything's going to materially change anything. My God, everyone just stay healthy. And That's also, kind of <laughs> and my God, though, also if you're going to play the game, beat these teams. <laughs> right now, you're on the court. You want to win, and the UCLA game is going to be a big game. You know, if Arizona wins the next two, and obviously going to be fair to beat ASU and to beat USC. If you beat UCLA, you've submitted yourself as a two seed. I think you don't even have to win a game in the Pac-12 tournament. You're a two seed, oh, if not a one seed, depending yeah, on how you, things go. You might even be a one seed. Yeah, depending that. on what happens in the Pac-12 tournament. Like if you win out and then you win two games in the Pac-12 tournament, you might find your way onto the one line. Does that matter so much? I don't know. They were a one seed last year. You know, Being a two out west, I can live with that. Like, tell you what you just said, though. To me, it's about being healthy because Arizona gets to the Pac-12 tournament last year, loses Kirk Creasa, and I'm not saying a healthy Creasa make, gets them past Houston, but a healthy Creasa makes them a different team. Right? And totally. this team, even more than last year's team, is a team, if that makes sense. This team needs, and I keep saying team, this version of Arizona needs everyone to function at its highest level. Because like Tubelis, he's been in foul trouble, but other guys pick up the slack. It needs Kirk Creasy, who's had some monster games. It needs Henderson. It needs Courtney Ramey. I think if you lose one of these guys, you're going to be in trouble because it doesn't have that superstar. I mean, Tubelis has been possibly pac player of the year, but he's kind of disappeared the last few games, right? And Arizona's been able to pick up the slack, but you can't not have Tubelis at all. You can't not have Kirk Creasy. You can't not have Henderson or Ramey or Balo. So... Yeah, to me, it's win these games, but it's also to stay healthy because, yeah, when you're where Arizona's at, you're in the tournament. You're going to be a top four seed in the Pac-12 tournament, which probably doesn't really that matter that much. And you're going to be judged by what happens in the NCAAs. Yeah, and I think that the uh, stay healthy is doubly important for Marbalo and Azulis Tabellis just because, you know, those minutes have tightened up on the bench and guys like Henry Vasar, I think Vasar might have the highest NBA potential on the roster, but he's, he's just not quite there yet. And I'm not sure he's going to be ready for, you know, the Houston's or even like the TCU's of last season, that kind of physicality. 
I don't think he's going to be ready for that. So you really need Arizona's bigs to stay healthy and <laughs> learn to not get into foul trouble early, which granted sometimes that's a, you know, a result of Pac-12 refs uh, and, and, you know, their choices. Uh, but, you know, other than that, you know, I, I hope, I'm almost of the mind, Adam, like try to win the next three games real hard. And then I almost don't care about the Pac-12 tournament anymore. I'd rather err on the side of not get anybody hurt before the, the real tournament starts. Yeah, yeah. It's but you still want to win these games, right? Like Arizona, you need to beat ASU. Finish your home slate strong. You've already lost a game this season. You can't lose two, especially to the Sun Devils. And then the LA trip is, you know, good teams. USC's not a bad basketball team. UCLA is a good basketball team. So this is a chance for Arizona to solidify its seating over the next couple of weeks. And we're not going to preview the USC and UCLA games. We plan on podcasting again next week. You know? So <laughs> I think we can focus mostly on ASU here. But you know, Arizona, since the Oregon game, really, has looked like a different team. You know, When they lost that game, they had that trip up at Stanford where Tubelis was in foul trouble for no reason at all, and Cardinal played out of their mind. Arizona lost that game. But really, since Oregon, Arizona has been a great defensive team with a more varied offense. Like, Tubelis has been, up until the last few weeks, borderline unstoppable. Balo's gone healthy. Creesa and Ramey have been producing. What has, and Henderson, too, what you haven't really seen is the development of that bench. They did kind of tighten the rotation. I saw something that the minutes weren't even that different, though. It was like Boswell getting a few more minutes, but that's about it. But outside of Boswell, you know, now Pella Larson, I guess, on the bench, there's not much. It's a seven-man rotation, maybe eight. You'd love to get if it's Vasar or Adama Ball, who I guess this is Adama Ball. Adama, yeah, this is time, right? Like this is this is when he comes to play when Pac-12 tournaments on the around the corner. But kind of thinking about them, how much like do you worry about that? Because what they've been doing, other than the Stanford game, which you can't ignore it, but you can almost just chalk it up as like whatever. Like they look like a team the last month and a half that can make a deep tournament run, but. They're playing basically a seven-man rotation, and foul trouble happens. Injuries can happen. Yeah, and I think both foul trouble and injuries, the thing we've seen with Azulis Tabella specifically, but also even Umar Balo a little bit, those guys have struggled when they've gotten into foul trouble, especially if they were frustrated with some of the calls, which sometimes it was a reasonable frustration, but, you know, Sometimes if you're going to kick the basketball into the, into the stands, yeah, you can't do that. You can't do that. Um, you know, it's a subtle thing, but I think they struggle to keep their aggression when they get that second foul early in the first half. Well, and yeah. That, and that almost effectively takes them out of the game and they, but they've got to learn how to play within themselves, within the context of how a game is being officiated. Because if Azulis Tabellis goes you know, and, and Umar Balo go like, they, they lose some of their assertiveness, if maybe not as aggressive. It's a different thing for Arizona, and that's where they're much, much more vulnerable. And, you know, I think all it does is just prove what I said in the, in the big, before we, you know, preseason, for Arizona to reach their potential, they need Azulis Tabellas to be their clear best player. And when he's in foul trouble, it's a it's a mental block, and it's he gets frustrated. He gets a little more soft, you know, and that it begets more problems with him. And that's that's what Arizona needs to avoid uh, in terms of you know foul issues. That's more controllable, you know. In terms of injuries, that's something that's a little less controllable, right? Sure, but I guess I mean one thing. I even like he had the foul trouble against Stanford, and Courtney Ramey had twenty six points. They lost, mind you, but Courtney Ramey stepped up against Utah. You know, Kirk Creese, like it's they found ways to win. Granted. I wonder, maybe I can pivot this now, too. 
you don't want Tubelsky to get into foul trouble. You don't want him to kick a ball into the stands and have to sit. Is there some benefit to, and I think Tommy Lloyd maybe is doing this for a reason, having to go without him? Like, sit him. See who steps up. Play with a little bit different rotation because if there's a game where Tubelsky is in foul trouble or he gets hurt or is just ineffective, where, okay, can you rely on your guards? Can Cedric Henderson give you 15 points or 13 points, right? Like, what kind of lines can you play where, yeah, you expect to have Tubelos and you're hoping he's plays 34, 35 minutes a game in the tournament, but is there value that you think Tommy Lee has been kind of playing with it? Okay, let's go without him for another extra six minutes today, an extra seven minutes today, and see, to see what we can come up with. I think he kind of already has at times, yeah. and I think, you know, I don't, I don't know if the next three games to finish the regular season are the time to do that, uh, you know, for the rest of the regular season. I think that once we get back into the Pac-12 tournament, I would expect him to toy with that a little bit more. I would expect to see some force-fed minutes to Henry Vesar to try to, you know, give him some, you know, put him in a situation where he can build some confidence and get some experience against, you know, a more desperate team. He was solid against Utah, but that game wasn't competitive. It was yeah. easy to give him, the, you know, to give him some minutes. Yeah, but you know, it, it's you know, it's it's a balance there in terms of this is a, a you know almost a, an EQ aspect of developing players, right? Is giving you know confidence can can lend itself to more success, which begets more confidence, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. I've used I've used beget like three times now. <laughs> well, you're about seven begets away from my use of team. So, <laughs> yeah, team, team, team is team. Adam Green. <laughs> you can't spell team without team. <laughs> I see this as one of those inspirational posters, <laughs> like a, a group of dolphins. Team is team. But I, I guess one thing thinking about this too, Arizona, the seven-man rotation, basically, right? They have a point guard, combo guard off the bench, and Aaron. Callan Boswell, who's been playing really, really well. That dude is growing up. He looks like he's going to be a factor for them the rest of the way. And Pell Larson, who apparently belongs coming off the bench, who's like that wing player. So you have a point guard, a wing. You don't have a big. But you also have two bigs in your starting lineup that most teams don't have. So in terms of like what type of players you need to make a run, Arizona seems to have that even without Vasar being consistent off the bench. Or Adama Ball being that guy that you would hope just could be like an automatic bucket, a microwave scorer off the bench. Yes, injuries would be a problem. That's the case for everybody, right? They had one injury last season, and who knows how badly it impacted them. But you can't also plan for that either. You know, you'd like to be able to handle it, but you can't plan to go without a Kirk Creaser. You can't plan to go without an Azulis Tubelis. If it happens, it happens. You you curse the basketball gods and then hope for the best. Yeah. Well, and I think the other, you know, the other thing that's an interesting development. Um, in the last month or so, uh, Kirk Carissa and Courtney Ramey, while they've had some games where they maybe weren't completely on, they've both been pretty darn solid outside shooters in the last month. Yeah, and part of that is their shot selection and their and their confidence and their fit within the offense. And if those guys are you know shooting at something approaching a forty percent clip, boy, you feel pretty good uh, as an Arizona fan, even if you don't get you know. Not, you know, all-American Azulis Tabellas, you just get Pac-12 first-team Azulis Tabellas, right? You know, I, I agree with you. And then, of course, I look back at the Stanford game. Arizona shot 40% from three, 14 to 35, and they lost by nine to Stanford. 
So yeah. they're not they're not unbeatable that way, no. but certainly in a normal Arizona game, if they're making outside shots, they're gonna be very difficult to stop because it's a pick your poison. And obviously you're gonna try to stop the big guys down low. And if that opens up a Ramey and a Creesa and Henderson who's been pretty good from three too, like and Pell Larson. Like there's I think finally, and I know we've kind of gone off track. I mean, we'll talk about ASU. We're going to talk to Michelle Gardner, who covers ASU for AZ Central, gives some insight on the Sun Devils. But I think we know who this Arizona team is now, right? They've played enough games that we we see their path to success. We know what makes them good. We know what makes them great. We also know what could be their downfall. And it kind of had the same thing going into last year's tournament. The last couple weeks, I'm like, hey, this team, this team has a chance. You know, it's one of the top eight or nine teams in the country that you can make a case. Doesn't mean that one of those top eight or nine teams will win the whole thing. The tournament's weird, but that this Arizona team is in position to make a deep tournament run as it sits here on February 22nd, as we record. Yeah. I think, I think the way I would frame it is this Arizona team, if they play to their best of their abilities, they can beat anyone on any given day. And there's very few people that if they give their best and they get the other team gives their best, the Arizona won't, win that game um but i also think arizona has those vulnerabilities that we know that any given game in march could end the season right yeah um so it's it's gonna be it's gonna be a fun run i have a feeling though adam i think there's it's gonna be it's gonna be a glorious uh you know either wonderful thing where Kirk (laughs) shoots 16 threes and hits 12 of them or he shoots 16 threes and makes one of them could you imagine if Kirk Creese, like Arizona makes a final four, Kirk Creese is the reason. I mean, he might be, actually, if they oh can make God. a final four. You could argue that he would be because he's shooting 45% from three and playing just an amazing point guard. Like, that would I, be, he would go down in history as like the most beloved Wildcat ever. Oh, I would. There's so many reasons, not like not even just being a Kirk Carrizo or an Arizona basketball fan, why him being the reason Arizona wins in March <laughs> would be just glorious mainly because he would just let everybody know it and like yeah <laughs> i i'm i'm somebody that i i i don't mind people that uh, are talkers as long as they back it up and own it right yeah. <laughs> and they can back it up and when they're when they're bad they can be like yeah it was bad <laughs> and i feel like he's kind of that and like I, oh god it'd be just so entertaining <laughs> it really would be but of course before arizona can have a March Madness here. They got to get through the rest of the regular season before they can finish the regular season. They got to get through ASU, who is coming to Tucson Saturday for a noon tip-off. And Brett, let's take a break and we come back. Let's talk to Michelle Gardner of AZ Central Sports to get some insight into the Sun Devils. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. We're back, and we are joined by Michelle Gardner of Arizona Central, AZ Central Sports. She covers the ASU Sun Devils, who, as we talked about, that's Arizona's opponent this week. Michelle, welcome to Wildcat Radio 2.0. Good to be with you. Yeah, now we're excited to talk to you because like, ASU is Arizona's rival. When these teams last played, it was December 31st, and there are two different teams where they are right now. Like ASU has off to a pretty good start in conference play. They were looking like a team, especially for that game and a couple of weeks after, that could maybe compete for a Pac-12 title. But since that time, the teams have gone in completely different directions. It seems like 
what is this Arizona State? What happened to Arizona State since the first meeting between these two teams? Well, they basically lost their mojo there for about a six-game stretch. And in looking at the numbers and, and even just watching it, to me, a big part of it was they just stopped moving the ball, making that extra pass. When they were thriving early, it was guys deferring to other guys, guys passing up a good shot for a better shot, sharing the basketball. And to me, that's been the big difference. Now, I'll go to the game that they played on Saturday against Utah, and I'm going to point to that as a perfect example. So in the first half, they trailed by one point at the end of the half. They had three assists on 11 made field goals. Then in the second half, I don't know, the light just clicked on, and they said, what the heck are we doing? And they actually had uh, 13 assists on 17 made field goals. They go from shooting 38% in the first half to 54.5 in the second half, and they win the game. So amazing how that happens. Moving the ball leads to better offense, and better offense leads to more points, and more points leads to more wins, right? (laughs) Absolutely. And there was one point, I want to say with maybe four minutes left in the game, it was a perfect example. I think they were up by two at at the time, and Des Cambridge took a pass at the wing and thought about hoisting the three, kind of had it in his hand, and then deferred to DJ Horn in the in the lane, and he put up a floater, made the shot. When ASU's not going good, Des Cambridge is just hoisting that shot and not deferring. So that was a perfect example there of when ASU is going well, that's what they're doing. They're not just relying on the three-pointers, and it's not a lot of one-on-one play. So to me... This team's success or failure relies mostly on that point. So, you know, that kind of confirms what I've seen in in the first matchup with Arizona. Uh, you know, I, I don't watch all the ASU games. I've seen bits and pieces. But that kind of leads me to, you know, you watch the team all the time, and I'm curious to know your perspective. You know, what is limiting ASU on offense and in, in terms of, of moving the ball? And, and ultimately, like, is there a strategy that you're seeing uh, in terms of what they're trying to do on offense? Because it's, it's curious to me, having a former point guard as a coach where there doesn't necessarily seem to be, I, I can't tell what they're actually trying to do on offense half the time when I'm watching them. Me either. <laughs> I mean, you know, and, and, and like I said, you know, when we watched this team for the first 15 or so games, it was it was literally a thing of beauty because that's what they didn't do last year. And even the two years before that, when they had the too many guys that were used to having the offense run through them and they had team chemistry issues, you know, the first 15 or so games, we're all just looking, wow, this is a thing of beauty. This is what we haven't seen from this team in a couple of years. The guys on this team generally get along very well. They share they shared the ball very, very well. And for whatever reason, they just morphed into those bad habits there for a stretch of games. Um, so, so yeah, that, I, I just think that that's a big factor. And, and, yeah, sometimes we look at ourselves and go, where was that team that we saw the first 15 games? How come that team just kind of disappeared for about five games? It's strange, too, because this was a team that necessarily bring back a lot of key guys, right? There's a lot of transfers, a lot of new talent on this team. So for them to have that great chemistry right off the bat, that seems pretty unique and pretty special. Like, if anything, you'd think it would be a growing process where, okay, maybe the chemistry's not great early on, but they get it going. And then this year, it seems like they've kind of started off great and went the other direction. There is some talent on this team, though, right? You mentioned Dev Cambridge, like there's Horn, like there's some talent on this team, and yet it doesn't always call us. Like we saw, I mean, last Thursday, they lost to Colorado, right? And Colorado's not a great team. So, like, is it as simple as just 
when they're on, they're on, and when they're off, they're like a bad basketball team? Or like, like how does that much talent struggle as often as it does? No, I, I think that's it. And, 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 and even early when they were not making, maybe they were shooting for a lower percentage, they just weren't making shots. They were making the right passes and the shots weren't falling. That's a little bit different than just taking stupid shots and, and just early in the shot clock. There, there's a, there is a difference there. Um, and, and again, the recent stretch that they had, that's kind of what they morphed back into doing. Now, you know, the Oregon game, which the recent Oregon game here, which they lost, they didn't play terrible. Oregon made a few more plays down the stretch. The Colorado game, they just completely went cold down the stretch. That was kind of an inexcusable loss. And then, again, the Utah game, they started reclaiming their mojo a little bit. And I think I think they really needed that game, you know, with the stretch of games they've got ahead, starting with this one and then going to the L.A. schools. They really needed something positive to get them going in the right direction again. Um, I still think this team has got the potential um, to, to advance to the postseason. I'm not saying it's going to happen because they've done them, dug themselves a little bit of a hole now. But it's a, definitely a team that's got the depth. If they've got to play back-to-back-to-back-to-back games in Vegas, they can do that. Uh, he doesn't rely on five, six players. He does have more depth than he's had in recent years. Uh, but I think that it's a team they, they can't shoot 38% and rely on their defense and beat Arizona. They're going to have to make some shots and they're going to have to make some shots early because if they don't, it could be a long day. So that you, you teed up where I was wanting to go, uh, Michelle, because, you know, as much as ASU doesn't have much of an identity on offense, aside from maybe jacking threes early in possessions, they they do have a defensive identity and that's been their calling card all season. Um, and I'm curious you know, how, how has that team been developing on the defensive side of the ball? You know, they had a nice win against Utah and how are they going to be able to, how are they going to approach trying to slow down the Arizona offensive juggernaut? Well, we saw what they did the first time they played Arizona. They were down by 17 at the half. And I actually did not go to that game. That's one game I missed because I had a really bad case of the flu. So I actually missed that game, but they're down by 17 at the half. And all of a sudden they step up the defense And next thing you know, they're six minutes into the half and they're down by two. So I think people saw what they can do when they start flying around the ball and and they have active hands and they're deflecting passes. Uh, I think I think the Arizona folks saw right then what this team is capable of doing when they're going full throttle. And that's one reason that Bobby substitutes, excuse me, as much as he does because when they play defense the way they're playing it and they've got to keep that many, uh, they, ha- they have to keep active players on the floor, you kind of have to switch out. And that's kind of what they did against Utah. Um, and again, they forced 17 turnovers against Utah. That was a big part of their second half success too. So I think it goes hand in hand. You've got to, you know, make some shots on offense. You've And if you don't shoot for a high percentage, you've got to get some transition buckets and when you get transition fast break buckets is when your defense is poking balls loose and you're you're converting there. So I think they go hand in hand. I'm wondering, is this a confident team going into this game? Because you mentioned they beat Utah and they needed something good to happen. You know, that's that's fine, right? And they did the second half against Arizona when they played in Tempe. It was a whole different basketball game. This is a team that's going and looking at this saying that, yeah, they need to win this game if they have a chance at the postseason, but do they feel like they can win this game, that they can go into Tucson and beat a top 10 team that, you know, last Saturday was announced that be on the two seed line if the tournament started today? 
No, I, I, I think, I think they're more confident now than they were a week ago. Let's put it that way. Uh, are they as confident as they were the first half of the season when they were winning all those games tight at the last second? Probably not, but I definitely think the game on Saturday was a huge, huge step in the right direction. And they're going to go into Tucson knowing, okay, this is one of the top handful of teams in the entire country. And if they get off to a better start, maybe that game here against Arizona is a little different. And they were within two points. So I think they've got to draw back on that and say, you know what? We got within two points of this team. And then if I don't know if you guys remember correctly, they just missed a lot of shots, probably forced a little shots, and then the game kind of got away with them, away from them. So I, I think they're going to draw on that and say, you know, maybe if we get a few of those shots to fall, you know, maybe. We were within two points of this juggernaut offensive team. Uh, obviously, playing at McHale Center is a whole different story. But I think they're going to draw on their recent play, and I think they're going to go back to that game and you say, you know, if we'd have made some shots, we were in that game. Certainly. And of course, Arizona, they're playing better defense than they were at that time, too. And these are different teams over the last month and a half since they last played. I know Bobby Hurley has been with ASU for a long time. There's a lot of spec. I don't want to say it's speculation, but that his job might be a little bit in jeopardy, especially the way this season has gone the second half. I'm not asking you to you know, opine on whether he should keep his job or anything like that. But do you get any kind of sense that he might be coaching for his job or that a change could be in the air, especially Maybe they win this game and it saves his job or something, or does his job even need saving? I've been thinking about that a lot this week. My hunch is that he's done after this year. Independent of what happened Saturday? Yes. Yeah. Okay. I think I think he's tired. I think it's going to be one of those that's kind of a mutual parting of the waves, ways maybe. Um, I don't sense that he senses – there's a lot of support for basketball at this school. I mean, they're still playing in this decrepit arena with no signs of upgrades or anything. It's just an awful building. Um, you know, I don't sense, you know, and the other thing is if, if you're, if you're the administration, you know, you're so worried about your football program. I just don't know that basketball's on the radar. Um, and who, I think that this job is a middle tier job at best in the PAC 12. Yeah. That's just, you know, it's never going to be an Oregon or an Arizona or a USC or UCLA. It's probably better than an Oregon State or one of those. Like Washington State, State or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and, you know, and let's be real. This is not a college town, okay? I think that it's a different dynamic when you're you, – if you're talking – Boulder, or you're talking Tucson, or you're talking Corvallis. This is not a college town, okay? Um, and I, I'm so sick of hearing, oh, it's a diamond in the rough, and oh, temp, you know, I don't know that it is because I think if if you're in this market and you're not good, you're irrelevant. There's too many other things people can move on to. You're not the only game in town. Um, so. You know, there are things that Bobby does well. There are, I think he's got things he does well. And then there's things where he's not necessarily good at. I think he's done a job, good job of bringing in the right players. And when you look at the transfer portal, I think he, he hit the jackpot this year with the players that he did bring in. Um, I think it's not the easiest place to recruit to again, because it's not a college town. Um, so I like what he's done as far as what he's brought in. Um, 
so yeah, that's, that's my hunch is just, I think, and I think he's tired. I think the COVID years took a lot out of him. He's had a couple of teams that were just really very difficult to coach because they had such individual personalities. Um, he had to deal with the Marcus Bagley situation this year. I just think he probably would welcome a timeout right about now. That's just my hunch. There's nothing he has said that's led me to believe that. It's just I'm going on observation. Oh, that's fair. Like, we understand, I think, where you're coming from. I think Tucson, Arizona fans can kind of even think Sean Miller for different reasons. But by the time he was done, I was kind of like, okay, maybe this guy just needs a break. And, of course, he took a break, came back, and he was Xavier again, doing really well. But we'll see. I know if Arizona – I think Arizona fans have a really weird thought process when it comes to Bobby Hurley. You know, there's like, hey, he's done a pretty good job at ASU. He's also kind of comical when they're losing. You know, like, oh, absolutely. But, you know, has he peaked? Has he reached the ceiling in that job? Who knows? And I know a lot of people say, don't get rid of a guy because you may not be able to do better. But I also don't think you don't get rid of a guy for fear you can't do better. You know, if he looks at it and says, I've gotten the most I can get out of this job, cool. And if ASU was to say, hey, like, this is the best Bobby Hurley can do. It's not good enough. Let's try to do better. That makes sense, too. And maybe a mutual parting of the ways would be best for both parties. But, you know. When I think the one thing people forget that when the season shut down at the end of the 1919 or the 2020 season or whatever, they were on the verge of making it to the postseason for the third straight year. And that hadn't been done here in 50 years. Yeah. Okay. So I, I think when the team has not lived up to expectations, maybe last year and the previous year, people forget that. You know, you wonder what would have happened if they'd have had that chance. They'd gone on to the postseason, which, again, when you do something and you make it three years in a row at a school like Arizona State where it hadn't been done, people forget that. Then you get the COVID years, and everybody knows how difficult that was to deal with. And then he had the the teams where he had a lot of strong personalities to deal with and and Remy and Josh Christopher and Bagley and Virgil, those were very, very difficult teams to deal with. Um, so that's where I think I, I say, I just think he needs a break. And I think the people that are going to, you know, it's what have you done for me lately? Nobody wants to go back and look at, Hey, they were on the verge of doing something really special a few years ago. They're going to look at, Oh, the last couple of years have been a disappointment, which they have. And that's why I think this year was so refreshing when they got out to a 15 and three start, everybody was like, Whoa. Yeah. Um, maybe there's something here. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I'm not saying that it can, and it's kind of too bad that it slipped as much as it did because again, I really like this team and these players genuinely like each other. And he had a really, he's got a really good mix of athletes. Um, so yeah, I, I think it'll be interesting to see what happens. Uh, I don't think, I think it's kind of like everything where you look at the social media juggernaut and whatever and fan bases and, and, you know, it, it's never as good as it's made out to be. And it's never as bad as it's made out to be either, you know? Mm-hmm. So that's where, where the, where I am on that situation. So Michelle, thanks again for joining us. You know, I think we've reached the point where, you know, we're looking ahead to Saturday. We've got a midday matchup in Tucson at McHale center. What's your, what's your take and what's your prediction on the, the outcome of the game Saturday? I think too many things happen, have to go right for ASU to win the game. So I obviously I think Arizona, I would be a fool to think that Arizona is not going to win this game. They're virtually unbeatable on their home floor. Um, 
I, I think, again, what, what I touched on earlier, I think ASU's got to shoot for a decent percentage. They've got to make some shots, and they've got to use that defense that they've relied on. Um, you know, I, I think they can keep it close. Um, I don't see them winning, but I think they can keep it close. Um, and we'll see what happens. But I, I, I think Arizona wins by eight, nine. Okay. I think, you know, depending on – I guess depending on how that goes, it's not going to be good enough for either side, right? ASU wants to win the game. Arizona wants to win the game by 30. But at the same time, a competitive game would go a long way, I think, towards one ASU because there's still a few more games left in the season, right? They got the L.A. trip and then the Pac-12 tournament, which offers a chance to get to the post the NCAA tournament. And, of course, Arizona's trying to finish strong and earn one of those top seeds. Well, Michelle Gardner, M. Gardner Sports on Twitter. We appreciate the time and your insight. And... I know football season's coming up. Maybe we'll catch up with you there to get a little bit more insight into ASU football because there's no storylines there. You know, there's nothing to talk about. Uh, with not at all. <laughs> so maybe we'll, we'll see if we can squeeze something out of you, you know, around that time. So we appreciate your time this time. And yeah, we'll catch up with you down the road. And that's Michelle Garner from the AZ Central. And we come back a little bit more on this game. We're back, and thanks again to Michelle Gardner from AZ Central Sports. That was great insight, Brett, I think, into ASU because, yeah, the last time Arizona, like, I'll put it this way, like, we expect Arizona to beat ASU. That's not that's not any different than any other year, right? Like, Arizona's always supposed to beat ASU, especially in Tucson. But the last time these two teams played, Arizona got off to a great first-half start. The start of the second half was just some of the worst basketball I've ever seen Arizona play. The Cats pulled away and won somewhat comfortably. It wasn't exactly close down the stretch. But these are different teams. They've gone in different directions since and Arizona has kind of reaffirmed itself as one of the better teams in the country, whereas ASU has basically fallen out of postseason contention. Like it's an interesting game, I think, for those reasons. Yeah, I think it'd be not to cut to the chase, but I think it'd be more interesting if this was the game in Tempe when ASU is the more desperate team and Arizona doesn't have the revenge factor. Yeah. But I think it being in McHale is, you know kind of limits the rivalry game weirdness and that desperation from an ASU team trying to, you know, bolster a resume and get, get a first round by in the Pac-12 tournament is actually a pretty big thing for them, right? Yeah. Um, you know, I, I Michelle had a lot of interesting comments and, you know, speculation on on Bobby Hurley and if like if that's the case, you kind of wonder if even if, if those players like all like each other if they have a similar sense, like if she's got that sense, I wonder if they do too, which that has a weird way of permeating into a into a program, but it could go either way, right? If they're yeah, thinking, "Hey, totally. we like this coach. Maybe if we win this game and we make the NC we win the Pac-12 tournament and we get to the NCAA tournament, maybe we get to keep our coach." You know, or it could be like, "Oh, well, the season's basically over anyway." And let's just move on with our lives. Like, I, this is the game. It's a rivalry game. It's a, I say it's a rivalry game, right? I think UCLA is a bigger rivalry game for Arizona basketball than ASU is. Mm-hmm. But for Arizona, for ASU, Arizona is the big rivalry. If the Wildcats don't come out focused, they've shown that they can lose to anybody. Like, yep. they've lost to worse teams in ASU this season, including at the McHale Center. Yep. But at the same time, if Arizona comes out focused, understanding that, hey, ASU can can beat them and Arizona's trying to play their way into a two seed or a one seed or just keep winning games, especially at home on senior day, then yeah, they should have no trouble with this game. You know, when they struggled to in Tempe is because Arizona was turning the ball over. And yes, ASU was forcing some of those, but Arizona just started tripping all over themselves, basically. They lost the focus to start that yeah. half, right? And once they regained it, they pulled away. If they can come out of this game like to start focus, unlike the Colorado game, for example, if they can come out focus and have that early lead, I don't necessarily see them giving it up like they did in Tempe. I, th- I think that's right. I think if Arizona plays okay, 
they'll win this game and somewhat comfortably unless ASU plays, you know, out of their mind shooting 60% from the 43s they're inevitably going to jack. Um but I just I just don't I don't see it especially in 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 Tucson. Um and you know the one other factor is <laughs> You know, Arizona doesn't have the revenge factor in this game, and they might no. be looking ahead to to next weekend or next week with the USC and, and UCLA matchup. Um, that could be a possible distraction, uh, but you know, you'd, you'd hope that's not the case, especially when this is the the only game this week, so they've, yeah. they've had more time to prepare. So, you know, but again, when you're talking about a bunch of eighteen or nineteen year olds, and I don't know if you've heard, but Kyla Boswell is is in fact seventeen. What? Um, how did has no one has no one brought this up? That's crazy. I know. I it was the first time I heard it in the last You'd broadcast. You think the TV commentators would bring that up? You know, at some <laughs> point in the season, just because like he has been playing so well for them, and he's that's so young. I had no idea. Yeah. He, another fun fact: Arizona has a lot of international guys on this roster. Adam, did you no. know that? <laughs> no. But, <laughs> we try to bring facts to this podcast, Brett. Stop with stop with these speculation and lies. Oh man. <laughs> this, is, so that's, this is very micro-targeted content for Arizona basketball fans, right? <laughs> uh, so we'll see what type of game it is. I know Michelle thinks it'll be a good game, and it might be. You know, it certainly means more just on the like on the surface for ASU than it does for Arizona, which could lead it to be you know lead it to being not exactly what we think. But also, we've seen a focused Arizona team that's playing a decent version of itself, like playing good basketball, can beat pretty much anyone. It can certainly beat ASU. So hopefully, I mean, I don't. I don't like Arizona losing to ASU in any sport. Losing to them at basketball at home would just be, uh, uh. When was the last time that happened? I feel like it was the one of the James Harden years or something. I think that, that a Remy Martin right. year. I mean, I try. I'm. Sh- I think we're probably ch- choosing to black that out from our memories. Yeah, I think my my 2019. I don't know. It's, Either way, I, it doesn't happen often. Yeah, I mean. Was nineteen when Oregon broke the home winning streak? I, I would, the game the game I was at the first time I'd been doing in a while. Like the 2018-2019 would have been the the season after the DeAndre Ayton year when Arizona just wasn't very good. I think ASU did beat them in Tucson that year. It was like the last regular season game of the season. Well, personally, I pre- I prefer not to think of this anyway. That's fair. That's <laughs> so, fair. So we'll we'll see what happens in that game. Hopefully next year we're talking about a win that Arizona basketball men's basketball had over ASU. Of course, Brett. Given this is our first show in a couple of weeks, a lot has happened. Um, the women's team, they got housed by Stanford. Oof, no shame no. in that. Stanford that was a rough is, game, though. Stanford is, Stanford's good. We they're, know that. They're, big, they're, they're really big, and they're really good. Yeah. So, I mean, you'd like to see a better effort, especially at home. But of course, you come back, you beat Cal, you beat Utah, who, let's be honest, that's the second time they've beaten Utah this season. Like, oh yeah, we all know what happened in the game on the road. Oh, yeah, I remember I got uh, there was a lot of Utah Twitter chatter <laughs> the first time around for that the the women's game matchup, and they were all uh, strangely quiet during that one. And yeah, it's amazing what happens when the refs don't give you and one opportunities every time you take a shot. Like yeah. crazy what Strange. happens when they don't blow a whistle every time. So beating Utah, beat Colorado. Okay, so you you're not on Stanford's level that night. Or most nights, but no, you're still no shame in that. No, no shame in that. But of course, when you have eyes like this, program isn't on. They're not at the point where you say, "Ah, oh, just being competitive is nice." Like they have expectations to go deep into the tournament to be one of the better teams in the country, and eventually, that's kind of the drag. I mean, they almost, you know, a couple of years ago, Aaron McDonald that shot, you know, in the championship game, like they almost did slay that dragon. But eventually, you're going to have to. 
you know, I'm not, I'm not trying to criticize them, but eventually like, if you want to be what you want to be, that's a game you got to win, you know, at home anyway. Yeah. I mean, one could say that they did in their, uh, in their matchup before they lost in the national title game a few years ago when they beat Paige Beckers. And, and... But I mean, but Stanford's in your conference, like Stanford yeah. is, you know, but Stanford's also really, really good. And they had just come off of an inexplicable loss, but Oh, a hundred percent. There's no shame in losing to Stanford. Just eventually that's a mountain. You got to be able to climb. Yeah. They were, like they were, they were angry after losing the game before and they took it out on Arizona. Unfortunately, they, they really did. So, but that team, of course, their season's wrapping up as well. We'll see what they can do in their respective tournaments. Um, baseball and softball started. Baseball had a pretty good weekend. They were up here in the Valley. They were playing in Scottsdale. Had some good wins there. Of course, softball, an okay start. You know, we'll see where they can go. But, yeah, the game, the diamond sports, they're back. Yeah. That's fun. I'm ready for it. Like some of the spring sports. And, of course, Arizona football announced their spring game. It'll be April 15th. I wonder if they'll bring out the NCAA tournament trophy for that one. If they'll have the basketball team come out there and you know show it off, that that would be good. I, I would I would be in favor of that <laughs> whole situation. <sighs> what a time of year this is for Arizona. You know, I, I was I was thinking about it during our our interview uh, and some of the conversation we had uh, with Michelle uh, off the air, and you know, thinking back to just not, it wasn't that long ago where every Arizona sport was really not in a good place, mm. uh, you know, two, three years ago. And it's, we, we are, we are on the upswing in a lot of programs and it's a fun time to be an Arizona fan. I mean, three years ago, there was like no sports at all. <laughs> well, it might, it, it might've been better for Arizona football had that <laughs> football season not happened at all. <laughs> uh, if you don't win a game, the season never happened. <laughs> season starts when you win the first one, Adam. Yep. <laughs> So that season never started. And the one after that started in November. Or was it late October? Oh, man, I don't even remember. Oh, that's because you were drunk. <laughs> Weren't we all? <laughs> but is there anything else we missed? Not necessarily over the last couple of weeks, because there's a lot we missed over the last couple of weeks. But anything you think, Brett, that we need to make mention of here? Oh, man, if there if if there is, I can't remember it. It happens. For reasons. <laughs> Mostly being drunk. Yeah. <laughs> ah, well, we're, we're off the rails, Adam. We need we to really are. <laughs> <laughs> we're rusty. We're so new to this. It's been a while. But we appreciate everyone listening. Of course, we appreciate Michelle Gardner for giving us her insight into ASU, what should be an interesting game and possibly an interesting offseason for the Sunday Basketball Program. Of course, you can find us on Twitter at Wildcat Radio AZ. And you've probably got this podcast on Spotify or iTunes. If you're on iTunes, leave us a rating and a review. And we will read that review on the air. But otherwise, that'll do it for this week. Whatever happens with Arizona Athletics over the next week or so, we'll talk about it in next week's show. And until then, remember to bear down. Bear down.